2: Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, this is Allison Mattermilk, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com.
1: And this is Robert Lamb, science writer at HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Thanks for joining us. Today we're talking about light pollution.
1: Yes, which is not, that does not mean mild pollution. Or heavy pollution. Or diet pollution. If We're talking in in terms of illumination.
2: Right. Basically, we're talking about artificial light shining at night, essentially, or shining at the wrong time of day, and night is the wrong time of day.
1: Correct. Chew on that one, listeners. Basically, uh, we live in a world divided into night and day. Sometimes it's not exactly a 50-50 split, depending on where you happen to live, but Still, it's the natural order of things. And when you start filling the, uh, the nighttime with, um, lights, electric lights and, and, uh, um, Christmas lights, Christmas lights and, um, and all this, you're, you're screwing it up. And that's what we're talking about today is all the ways you can, can basically screw up, uh, the world around you by lighting it up.
2: Who knew? So what do you see when you look at the night sky? I guess it kind of depends on, uh, where you live.
1: Yeah. We both live in the Atlanta area, of course.
2: The Atlanta area is not renowned for being a excellent stargazing place.
1: Right. There's no midtown observatory, uh, because uh, when I look into the sky, I tend to see either um, like a 747 going over. I see or, a lot
2: of those, too. Yeah. yeah quite a few.
1: Or uh, Yeah, I think that's about all I see.
2: Yeah, so light pollution is uh, gets pretty bad, as you can imagine, in urban areas. Actually, one thing I found was that you can tell how light pollution affects your area by counting the stars in Orion. And Orion is my favorite constellation anyway because it's so easy to pick out. Which
1: what what is it shaped like?
2: Well, it's got the four corners and then it has the diagonal belt.
1: When you see it in the, the book, like what does it look like? A man like strangling a goat or something? Like they all look like something tremendously elaborate, and it's always like a square.
2: Yeah, I mean it is pretty much a square, but I picture it as being a man with a like a toga and a belt kind of on the diagonal. Okay. Anyway. Um, so if you count the stars in Orion, you can see about 11 if you live in a place with a lot of light pollution. But wander on out into some sort of clear night paradise for looking at stars, and you can see as many as 50. So that's just one handy measure that we're going to give to you for right, measuring light to, pollution. compared to
1: just all the, the stars in the sky on top of that. Because uh, I, I don't know about you, but I um I grew up in a, a really um, rural area, part of Tennessee. that uh, was just out in the middle of nowhere. And I remember just walking out at night and just seeing just this pit of stars above me. You know, it was just like the, the universe just seemed to go on forever, and you felt like you could just be sucked up into it in any given moment.
2: Right, like you felt like you're almost in a planetarium. Right. right? Those it, of us who grew up in places with a lot of light pollution.
1: <laughs> it's like that, yeah, like that, yeah. Except uh, with like coyotes in the woods around you. And yeah, and I it used to actually kind of frighten me because I also watched Unsolved Mysteries and was just convinced i was going to be abducted by aliens at any given moment if i saw them speeding you know through the the stars in a little ufo or something they would see me and they'd have to come get me and now i'm not afraid of all that stuff anymore and i find myself missing you know that kind of night sky
2: so astronomers obviously hate light pollution then huh
1: right because uh yeah they're looking for things up there not so much ufos or Orion's Belt, which they're you know that's just bush league stuff to them. They're more into things like methane <laughs> clouds and Titan's atmosphere, you know, and and what's going on with Saturn's rings and the hunt for exoplanets and the atmosphere itself. Like even on like a clear day, you know, the the atmosphere itself. Can throw instrumentation out of whack. That's why we set up satellites with telescopes to get, get out of all that. But throw in light pollution, that just cuts down on visibility even more. If you're trying to operate an observatory and there's like a Stucky's like down the block with all its lights on. I mean, that can interfere with the, uh, the instrumentation as well. I mean, you need your darkness to see the stars.
2: In case you haven't gathered already, we advocate darkness this podcast. Darkness is your friend, people.
1: Another uh, group that advocates darkness is the International Dark Skies Association, darkskies.org. On a a more localized uh, level, there's, uh, say, Flagstaff Dark Skies Coalition. Uh, Flagstaff, Arizona is important because there's a a really uh, notable observatory there. So the the Flagstaff Dark Skies Coalition has made a, a, a lot of efforts to just cut down on how much light is going on in the surrounding area. Because the more light in the surrounding area, the more obscured view of the stars you have. So you That's get people simple.
2: like knocking on doors and saying, please, sir, turn off that really annoying light. Yeah,
1: that and like, you know, knocking on the doors of like, you know, local business associations and, uh, you know, city government, county ordinances and all. And you get it to where people are using lights more responsibly at night or they're using them in the right way. For instance, you know, you want to light a parking lot. Why not just direct the light at the parking lot? No need to have it going off in every direction. You know, it's simple things like that.
2: Simple things, Robert. Yes. So there are a few different kinds of light pollution that mess up the darkness for us all. Um And one of them is sky glow. And sky glow is just, just imagine looking down upon a city at night, major metropolitan area of your choice, like, I don't know, Los Angeles, maybe Atlanta. And what you're going to see is just, just kind of this brilliant blanket of sky glow, and you're not going to see the darkness.
1: Yeah, it's like any of those... uh for me, films uh, where you see people going up to like the Hollywood sign and they're looking out at L.A. and it just looks like this glowing golden world, you know, that's just light pollution at its sickest.
2: And then this is my favorite kind of light pollution. You have um, light trespass. And I love Chevy Chase. And this makes me think of a Chevy Chase movie, uh, Christmas Vacation, when he painstakingly puts up all of his Christmas lights and finally, oh, yay, Chevy, you finally get it right. Or Clark, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> and he pretty much blinds the whole neighborhood. <clears throat> so this is like, Chevy's light is trespassing on all of the other neighbors and their their nice darkness. And I have to say, I uh, I'm a fan of Christmas lights, so I was a little conflicted by this type of light pollution. Or it's something like If you live next to a football stadium and every night is Friday night lights for you.
1: Yeah, why can't they play football in the daytime?
2: Or in the dark. Why can't they play football in the dark? They've
1: got excellent glow in the dark materials out there.
2: They're used to getting hurt. What's a couple more stub toes, right? Um, And then you have stuff like glare. And this is just when lights are aiming directly into your eyes, like those really fancy Xenon high-intensity discharge lights that tend to blind me when I'm driving. Although I did find a study that says said lights um, may annoy oncoming drivers like myself, but they don't disable them. I think the University of Michigan did a study on it.
1: Yeah, that's always a bad sell with, you know, these headlights will disable other drivers. but
2: uh, And then you have stuff like clutter. And this, this is a kind of light pollution where somebody just got a little bit too happy in putting up streetlights, and there's an overabundance of them. Or maybe there's a building that's lit up like daytime at midnight. Mm-hmm. So besides being wasteful and making astronomers mad, it has some serious effects on our health and our circadian rhythms.
1: That's right. A lot of the creatures on this planet have evolved to live in, um, in periods of night and periods of day. Where they spend most of their time, eh, depends. But still, they're, they're dealing with that system. And again, when you, uh, you know, illuminate a, a BP station uh, with the light of a thousand suns, you're messing up that system.
2: Right. So circadian rhythms depend on light and darkness. And then circadian rhythms uh, impact behavior down the line, like sleeping, like mating, like... Um,
1: migration, feeding, I mean, just basic activity levels.
2: Even if you have an animal living in a national park or somewhere out in the wild, you still have residual effects from, you know, nearby urban development. So light is everywhere. Is this a surprise? Not so much. So it seems like artificial light is everywhere. You just can't get away from it. So let's talk about some of these poor animals and how they're affected. One of the ones that stuck with me about light pollution and how animals are affected was um, on baby sea turtles. Mm. Did you read that in Jessica Chieffman's fine, fine article?
1: I did, and I'm... Familiar with that one from family beach visits in the past. Sad stuff.
2: Yeah, so when these baby sea turtles hatch on a beach, they're supposed to head to the water.
1: Right, nice, you know, some moonlight playing over the waves. That's how they know where the ocean is.
2: Right, but then you have things like bright beach lights illuminating the fine white sand, and the poor turtle gets confused. And sometimes he'll even head off in the wrong direction, and what do you know? He gets hit by a passing car. He ensconces himself in a seaside re- resort. It's bad news for the Sad baby turtles. way you look at it. Yeah, light pollution not good for the baby turtles. Then you have things like owls, and owls, like you guys know, are nocturnal. So they take advantage of night to hunt more, and it increasingly drives their prey into hiding.
1: They're out there to catch animals that live at night, and if you have it lit up like day, those uh that those those animals are going to be uh, gone.
2: And then you have stuff like bioluminescent species, and these are just the organisms that uh light up per a chemical reaction so um on land this might be fireflies and fungus and then in the water you have fish and algae that light up and uh the problem for these tireless bioluminescent species is that all of a sudden they have competitors which is the artificial lighting and it, it poses a problem
1: uh there's another animal uh of a uh, special note humans Humans, of course, uh, have to deal with periods of light and darkness like everything else. Most of us tend to spend that time uh, working during the day and sleeping at night, right? It's interesting. I looked at a number of different uh, studies, and and some of this is mentioned in our How Stuff Works um, article by Jessica Toothman as well. It seems like it's a careful balance, you know? It's like we need a certain amount of light, and and that's that's pretty obvious because, you know, you have... Uh, A lot of people really have to have their lighter. They grow depressed. It's, you know, seasonal affective disorder, et cetera. Uh, people that live in the far north, um, you know, places like, you know, in Alaska or, um, you know, parts of Scandinavia they actually you know have to have to have light treatment you know they like wake up in the morning uh you know turn on a certain kind of lights to just help raise their you know their their levels you know
2: stop them from drinking all the time
1: so yeah we take that for granted that humans need light to survive because you know we've all seen movies where people like live underground and turn into some sort of grotesque monster right <laughs> but uh it you know there are a lot of uh, ill effects as well to not getting enough darkness we we really need those periods of darkness to uh, remain healthy. Um, this is how it works. All right. We perceive light through our retinas, right? Yeah. And this then suppresses the pineal gland, which pumps out melatonin.
2: A hormone, right?
1: Right. right a hormone that regulates estrogen and testosterone. Okay. So if you're not getting enough darkness, you're not going to produce enough melatonin. Okay. Okay. Right, your melatonin, or at least your melatonin levels, are going to be significantly lower. Okay. To break that down, like they say that less than uh, forty minutes of basking under an incandescent light bulb can reduce uh, melatonin levels of up to fifty percent.
2: Right, and you want more melatonin because this is what regulates your circadian rhythm. Right, it helps
1: regulate your sleep cycle. Exactly. Um, A number of you may take uh, may even take it as a supplement. I take it as a supplement to sleep at night. So yeah, and additional studies have uh, linked artificial lighting to breast, uh, colorectal, uh, prostate cancer. And, uh, there was even an interesting, uh, interesting study from the Journal of Pineal Research.
2: Who knew there was a journal with that name? I know, that's,
1: it's pretty specific. They indicate that women in developed uh, nations are five times more likely to get breast cancer than women in, in underdeveloped countries.
2: And they're thinking there's a link somewhere in there that's related to the amount of light.
1: Yeah, they're just saying that people in these more developed uh, countries are, like a lot of us, are living in environments where you look out the window, you know, there's a gas station uh, gleaming in the night. You know, you look overhead and you just see the the glow of the city, and lights everywhere. You know, you get up in the night, you turn on six or seven lights just to go uh, use the restroom, right? But if you live in a less developed nation, you're more likely to say, get up in the night and go, you know, relieve yourself in the darkness.
2: I use the restroom in the darkness anyway. Who turns on the light to go to the bathroom at night? Um, I mean, that is so stupid. I always make it a game to see if I can do as much as possible in the darkness.
1: Well, I like to turn on the lights when I use the restroom.
2: Well, then you're going to have to pay the consequences with your melatonin there, buddy.
1: That's true. But this brings us to the point. What can we do to cut down on light pollution, right?
2: We can do a lot of stuff.
1: Alright, name one. Give me, give me something. Uh,
2: turn off the light.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a big one. Just, if you're not using it. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when you're a kid and your dad's, uh, telling you, turn off the light when you leave the room. Another one is, uh, do you, you don't really need a high watt bulb in Sir? every, uh, outlet. I, you know, even if they are energy saver bulbs, cut down the wattage if you're not going to be, uh, performing, you know, minor surgery by it.
2: Dimmers. Dimmers are your friend. I understand.
1: Mm-hmm. There are also fixtures can be really important. Um, like I mentioned earlier, make sure that you have a fixture that covers enough of the light and where it's focused on what you need it for. You know, if you have a floodlight, point it at what you're flooding the light on. It doesn't need to just go everywhere.
2: Yeah, and incidentally, didn't you uh, find something about floodlights creating pockets of darkness anyway?
1: That was uh, something brought up by the International Dark Skies Association because, you know, one argument against the whole, you know, controlling light pollution thing is people say, hey, I live in a terrifying neighborhood and I am going to keep these floodlights on to help protect my home. And Plus,
2: lights make people feel safe.
1: Yeah. And and it's, you know, you look at any safety list and that's one of the big ones, illuminate your house. I mean, I I stand by that. But they also point out that if you have like a, a lot of artificial lighting going on in an area, you also end up creating these pockets of darkness, which are really kind of excellent hiding places. Because yeah, because t- anybody driving by, your lights gonna adjust to the really bright lights, and those, the, and wherever there's darkness, it's just gonna be deep, impenetrable darkness.
2: So maybe something like motion sensor lights would be a better call.
1: Yeah, that would be that would be a perfect call. And you know the the advantage to all this too is it also cuts down on your uh, your electricity bill at the end of the month.
2: What about Christmas lights? Do you think I'd be to against argue them? Argue that
1: they're necessary.
2: Yeah, I don't know that they're necessary, but they do make me feel festive.
1: Yeah. Well, where did your Christmas lights on a scale of like, one being like total natural darkness, and ten being like Griswold Family Christmas. Where do you, where do you fall?
2: Um, I would give them. I'm. I think they fall right in the middle, like a five. Okay. They're very tasteful too. I only use white lights.
1: Well, that's that's not as extreme an example of light pollution as as uh, one one of my favorite uh, examples is um, something they apparently had an eight in the uh, 1980s here in Atlanta. Okay. Uh, called Light Up Atlanta. Have you heard of this? No. Um. David Cross references it in a comedy bit he did, uh, and basically, uh, it seems like what, what, what this consisted of is they would turn on all the lights in downtown Atlanta, just like all in these, you know, high-rise buildings, just light it up, <gasps> and then they would uh, block off the streets, and people would just flow in from all, you know, the surrounding areas. And we to just, look at the lights in the To look building? at the lights and drink in the streets and listen to to bands play and and whatnot.
2: Really? So it's just a, a lit up building that people. Well, were a looking whole
1: bunch at. of lit up buildings. Like the the city, they're lighting up Atlanta, and and I guess you know sea turtles are just wandering in, you know, from <laughs> as far as close to the Pacific Ocean to you know die in the streets.
2: So what I'm getting from this podcast is: Are we better off in the dark? Well, maybe not totally dark, but a lot more dark.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking a lot of us could probably use a little more darkness in their life. And I mean that in a illumination way and not in a gothy way.
2: So if you want to read more about lightness, darkness, and anything in between, check out HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Or visit the blogs at Blogs.HowStuffWorks.com. And you can read about everything from flu-ridden mall Santas to robotic book sniffing.
2: Thanks for listening, guys. Podcast is over. Turn out the lights.
1: Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit visible.com.
0: Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.